Thanks for checking out the Tennessee Holler Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Subscribe to and support the Holler at www.tnholler.com to help us fearlessly yell the truth about Tennessee. And be sure to subscribe to the growing family of Holler Podcasts while you're there. You can also follow the Holler on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the TN Holler. Tennessee. 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 Let's go ahead and bring in our guest. I thought we had two, so I was sort of stalling until Antoine got here, but Eris is here, so we'll go ahead and talk. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Hello. Is it Eris? Hello. Yeah, you got it. Perfect. Yes, and actually, Antoine should be here in a second. I just texted him that okay. he was logging in. So. so tell us, you know, your. At Planned Parenthood in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that entail? How big is the operation over there? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so I am the West Tennessee Community Organizer. Um, so I work with blo- both uh, Planned Parenthood of Tennessee and North Mississippi, as well as uh, with Tennessee Advocates for Planned Parenthood. Um, so, um, you know, Antoine, he's the Community Engagement Coordinator. So it's the two of us. Um, and then also we have a Latinx program. Um, so we've got Liliana Santos uh, with the Raiz program. So it's a pretty uh, decent operation here in Memphis. And also not to mention, you know, statewide, uh, you know, we've got staff in Nashville, staff in Knoxville. We're actually um, working on getting staff in Chattanooga. So we're definitely um, expanding here. Um, so pretty pretty decent size, size operation, I'd say. So when you talk to people in the community, you know, there's obviously a lot of misconceptions and myths around Planned Parenthood, maybe not so much mm-hmm. in Memphis, but certainly in the rural parts of the state. Uh, yeah. what, what are some of the misconceptions and what does Planned Parenthood focus on mostly? You know, what's the pitch, I guess, for, mm-hmm. when, for when, hey, Antoine's yeah. joining us. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good. We just heard a little bit about you. Uh, we were just getting into what the uh, myths and facts around Planned Parenthood are and, you know, what you guys really focus on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do you want to jump in with that uh, answer for that, Antoine? Uh, absolutely. Okay, so the question is, what does Planned Parenthood stand for? Yeah, what do you guys do mostly? Because, you know, we hear a lot of the myths and, you know, the, the false facts Absolutely. from the opposition <laughs> what is the pitch gotcha. from you guys well I, I definitely want to say the uh opposition people are very strategic and great at messaging um uh, what Eris and I do a lot in my department is besides destigmatizing those myths we actually um put them into action on the side of Planned Parenthood that we work in so we obviously you know fight for policy changes um new policies fight against things that can be harmful to our patients and um, it's just an ongoing thing. I mean, obviously, you know, Planned Parenthood is also a healthcare organization that provide all kinds of services um, in terms of reproductive health, sexual wellness. We are a sex edu- comprehensive sex education organization. So I mean, it's so many things that we do, but you know, well, Eris and I have the lovely job of making sure that we are legal and, 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 and able to practice a safe, you know, uh, medical practices in Tennessee and just being able to be a place that people feel safe coming to get um, sexual health care or just wrap around services that we offer. 
Yeah. From a very to add non, to, from a very non-judgmental space. Let me that's yes. yes, that's what I was gonna add. Like people think that we're out here pushing people to have sex and telling people what to do, but really we're not. What we're doing is we're telling people that it's your life. You can live the life you want to live. We're gonna give you the tools and the education information, medication, whatever it is, so that you can make the best decisions for yourself. The safest, healthiest decisions for yourself. A lot of times it seems like the focus is on people who who try and don't want to have the child, but you guys also mainly help with people who do and help them figure out, you know, their lives and what to expect and help guide that process. Uh, You know, what is something like when someone comes in the door for the first time, like what's the process of making them feel comfortable? Well, it starts with, Oh, I was going to say it starts with the the training our staff receive all of our staff, regardless of whether you work out in the community or if you work in the health center, we all get trained on a standard of, um, you know, how to um, honor people's experiences, how to, you know, ask questions in a way that's, you know, not judgmental. Um, Antoine, did you want to add something? Absolutely. I, I think that you hit the nail right on the head. Definitely being prepared to take on any person who comes in our door who want our help and being able to make sure that people feel welcome, number one, and feel validated and being who they are and, and not, um, creating an environment, especially being in the South, where people feel like because of some of the, you know, Caribbean and the Bible Belt that you can only come to a space in one way. And I think one thing that really speaks out to me is that when I started learning that, you know, when you have hospitals and, and medical groups that are under like religious affiliations, they can actually deny people services based on religious point of views or based mm-hmm. on their, which can be pretty much if I don't want to serve a trans person or a gay person or whomever, you know, a person show up, I can deny services. And I just think that's so un, you know, patriotic. It's so unfair. It's so inhuman. And I think that mm-hmm. working for Planned Parenthood allows us to tap on being better humans. I know for me, the work has been transformational personally in my life. And I think that's been something that's retained me there more than I would have ever imagined. So I love to give that back to our patients when they come to the door or to people who want to get involved. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I love the way that you put that. It just like, you know, kind of like showing people how to be more empathetic humans. I think that, um, you know, just from, from my own experience, just from like a women's health standpoint, Planned Parenthood has been, you know, um, I've, I've, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fantastic resource. And so I guess with you all being in the Memphis area, um, you know, and, and with what you were just saying, Antoine, about just kind of like some of the more, typically marginalized communities, what, what do you see as like some of the biggest issues that, um, you know, people who, you know, women and all people that benefit from Planned Parenthood, um, you know, what, what are the biggest issues facing those communities in your area? That's a, that's a very, very big question, but I think one of the, (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, you, it's it's almost like you have the issue, the the macro issues and there's the micro issues. And I think one of the biggest um, issues in, in, in the community abroad that I see is people having honestly a safe space to talk about their bodies from a sexual perspective. And I hear it across, you know, racial lines. I see it across, you know, sex lines and how people identify and really having a place to feel empowered. Um, one of the things that I struggle with 
moving back to Memphis from California many years ago is really how to have conversations with people about just things that um, were sexualized based, you know, um, running across families who were scared to talk, who didn't know how to talk to their kids about sex or, you know, reproductive health. And I, I could tell you an example that happened. I was, uh, when I first started at Planned Parenthood, I was a condom distributor. And I would go, and I was literally in a barbershop one day, and it was a grandfather, and it was a son, <laughs> and it was a <laughs> grandson. And like, they had questions about like STDs and STIs. And like, when I was giving answers, like, all three of them was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, and I was like, oh, the whole family's in trouble. No. But it was like, but it, but it was really cool because when, what happens is every time I would go into these places and take condoms, the conversations that people wanted to have, they were able to have. And like, yeah. we wouldn't have had those conversations because these, and I'm sure the people that I was talking to never probably would have known or would have cared about coming to Planned Parenthood. So me right. being in, in their space was more helpful. So, um, yeah, so to me, that's access is one of the biggest issues. Just access to knowledge and access to healthcare is just the biggest oh. issue across the board. I'm curious about, you know, some of the things that this state <clears throat> suffers from that are not very publicized are, you know, our low infant maternal mortality mm-hmm. or not low, our high infant high, maternal yes. mortality. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're at the bottom and both. We're of ranked things. low. Yeah. I'm curious, yeah. Your perspective doing what you do. Do you see that? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, uh, Representative London Lamar, she's got some great legislation trying to, you know, work work on that around not just infant mortality, but you know, speaking to marginalized communities, there's that black maternal death rate. Um, you know, black women are more likely to die in childbirth um, than white women, even like compared to other industrialized nations. Um, and you know, personally, as a black woman, that's like. You know, it's a scary thought of, you know, if I were to decide to have children one day, I could possibly lose my life because I'm a black woman. Um, So as far as, you know, marginalized communities, you know, you definitely hear it. You know, that's stories of, you know, women who've lost children or, um, you know, people who've lost mothers um, due to these issues. You know, there's people. These are people's family members. These are people's friends, like in the community, people know people that this has happened to. So it's definitely um, something we got to work on in the state for sure. It's also worth pointing out that after this American rescue plan, there's now like $1.7 billion on the table every year for our state to take in, to help expand Medicaid, to cover some of the women that we're talking about. And there have been studies that showed, you know, dozens if not hundreds of women have lost their lives because their insurance lapsed postpartum Mm -hmm. and that would have had insurance had it not been had we expanded medicaid so it's quite literally Mm -hmm. policy murder that we didn't expand medicaid Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. in the black community uh what are some other bills that are snaking their way through our legislature (laughs) that you guys are aware of that people should be aware of uh there are tons, um, lots of lots of bad stuff happening. Um, there's the uh, impregnator bill that you might have talked about with Francie and uh, Tori a couple of weeks ago. Um, that's still working its way through committee. Um, basically, that would give um, 
if someone claims they don't even have to prove that they're the actual right. biological father, if someone claims that they're a biological father, um, they can um, basically prevent a woman from seeking an abortion service if that's what she chooses to do with her body, which is just, you know, wild because there's no, like I said, there's no, they don't even have to prove that they're the father could just claim. It just gives them full control. Like it's just so transparent mm -hmm. that that's just, it's just about control with that. That just lays it bare. Definitely the word. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> one of the things that we have started saying that we heard from somebody who I think was a conservative in background and it has a political bent. And I know you guys aren't political, but uh, you know, or not partisan, I guess I should say um, <laughs> is that <clears throat> Republicans, what's the saying? Cassie, I'm already losing <laughs> I know, it's it. It's always hard to remember off the top of our heads. Abortion, okay, I got it. Republicans <laughs> want to make abortion illegal. Democrats want to make abortion unnecessary. And a lot of times the uh, the solution to the abortion situation, you know, it's financial a lot of times why women are making that decision. And some of these programs, helping with daycare, you know, raising the minimum wage, for instance, there are a lot of ways to help make this decision easier on women that are not abortion related. Do you guys see that also? And do you see that it's, really Oh my God. Yes. Uh, first of all, I like to say that um, folks who can have babies have abortions for so many reasons. And it's really across the board. Uh, one, I remember when I first started, if I, if I had, you know, a dollar for every story that I heard that was compelling, you know, I'd probably be, hundreds of thousands of dollars in savings right now. But it was, it was, I, I literally have heard stories from, you know, college students who was like, hey, like, I feel like my whole life is riding on this. I, I feel like, you know, like I'm so close. I've come so far. Like, I just cannot be a parent right now. Or I've heard stories of um, folks who may have come out of an abusive situation and the, and the, and the pregnancy was really something that was done to, you know, hold them into a position to be, uh, you know, subject to violence. Um, I've heard situations that, I mean, I've heard stories of, of folks who just like, I just sent my baby to college. Like they, my husband and I have talked about this. We are just not doing it. And also I like to name that um, abortion does, is not just a, a, a woman issue. I've, I've heard stories of men who want to know how to support their wives or their girlfriends or their partners in these situations. They wanted to know if they were doing the right things. And I think what happens is when we remove that narrative that there are um, uh, male partners who want to be supportive, when right. we kind of tear down the thing that is like, you know, that it's just strictly, you know, a, a woman's thing. It kind of put the men and women against each other. And I've seen so many situations where it was, it has been supported. And men really, really do. I've met so many men, and I, which leads me to believe that there are so many men that want to know how would I navigate this uh, option with and successfully as a family. And and you know, and that's what people are wanting to do. So we can't forget that it's a family decision. It's a personal decision. It's a, um, it's a. It's, it's a justice op, uh, uh, situation for some folks. Is um, is I'm just really not ready right now. Situation. I, mm -hmm. um, I don't. It's a health situation that I can't carry a child full term. It's it's so many situations. It's not one sided at all. Right. I, I mean, you got like. Sorry. Go ahead, Cassie. I was just gonna say you got you got. No matter what the laws are here, 
wealthy people will always be able to make this happen for their families and themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you got Desjardins making the laws, paying for abortions on his right. own. You know, this is an inequality issue. Everything's Absolutely. an inequality issue, but it's mm-hmm. issue. Absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, and then the other thing that I would say is, you know, I can say with 100% certainty that if men were the ones that carried the child, <laughs> this would have been settled hundreds of years ago. Right. Absolutely. I, 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 just, I just wanted to say, Antoine, that was a, such a I, I just never heard it framed that way before. It really is an issue that just like pits, um, you know, at least the binary gender is just kind of that that narrative with men and women, you know, the traditional sense like against each other. And that I just thought that was such a such a, a good point um, that it really is. I mean, there are so many other you know men out there and people out there that are supportive in these situations and that it comes down to not only, you know, as Justin said earlier, definitely like the financial aspect and it's definitely mm-hmm. an inequality issue. And then also just like a, a miseducation, like people oh are just not educated. Usually miseducated. Yeah, mm-hmm. and stigmatized. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I so stigmatized. Everybody assumes like um, they, they use like the term late term and make it sound like this this right. big baby. And it, and that's not the case. Like at the time that, I mean, there and, and then if people only know there has been times like these are Planned Parenthood doctors are medical professionals. So there right. are times where they you know, can't always support a person. People do come too late. I mean, you know, these medical, these are medically professionally trained people who can make these calls. Right. And they're not activists. Like, right, they're, they're not, not activists. <laughs> and that's, that's one thing that's really, really, really different and um, that we have to always take in consideration. They are responsible for these patients' lives. And, and at the end of the day, you know, I just, you know, honestly, I just think what you said too early was just so important. Is this that I think it's just, we've we've gotten this thing to a place where people think it is like this thing that we should all have control over what someone else do, and it's we've gotten so entitled to being told what to do that we don't know how to be told what not to do. Mm. And just and look at uh, look at all the historical references. I mean, I can even lift right now someone who's very important in my life, who's a family member who grew up in the '50s, who was like an auntie to me. And what really the first time I ever heard abortion. Um, her mother forced her to have an abortion many years ago and it scarred her uterus and she was never able to have children. Oh, and oh, she, no. she lived, and I know this woman lived and she died with this all of her life. And she was very disappointed. Had she had access to safe and legal abortion, she would have right. been able to continue to have children when she was ready. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It'll and, continue and to happen regardless. Like, it will continue exactly. to happen will, regardless. And so just think regardless. about that. This, this, this definitely is about promoting family. If, if people will go to, a, if they can't go to Planned Parenthood, they're, uh, they're going to go somewhere where they can get this done. And what we want is for people to be safe. No one should have to die on the table anymore. This shouldn't be a conversation. We're in the 21st century. Right. We can do this. We can do this safely and easily. This is still an outpatient procedure, believe it or not, y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you, I see Francie and I think all of you are calling their legislation forced birth legislation. And, you know, because it's not it's not pro-life. It's not pro-life to be against subsidizing daycare for low-income families. It's not pro-life to block Medicaid expansion. It's not pro-life right. to be against mm-hmm. raising the wage. It's not pro-life yeah. to push back on, you Preach. know, reimbursing families for, you know, uh, missed school kids' meals that just happened right. today, mm-hmm. Joey Hensley. Like, so yeah. if you're really pro-life, it should be supporting organizations like yours that keep women from having to go into back alleys 
you know, and and lifting up the lowest or the the you know the least among us, which is the you know the, to, to use a biblical phrase. And so, otherwise, it's just forced birth, which is I think. And, and let's and let's talk about, about the, and let's talk about the lack of sex education that actually is also a huge social yeah. determinant to all legislated of in a state like yes. Tennessee where. A comprehensive uh, sex education is basically illegal. Like a, a, no, a it's not. Basically, it is. It, it is right. Mm -hmm. yeah, right. I He's our. He's my senator. He's our senator, Jack Johnson. Yeah, yeah Jack Johnson. Know. Exactly. So my thing: a teacher can be fined with up to five hundred dollars per student for mm -hmm. teaching, you know, sex education in a class. Mm -hmm. And this is the same information that, when they don't understand this, you see an increase in like teenage pregnancies. Mm-hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and, and, right. then, and all these other issues that we're talking about that happen, you know, in terms of whether you decide to have keep go full term with a pregnancy or not, are things that happen because people just don't know about their body, mm -hmm. you know, and right. people are asking <laughs> for it. People are asking for kids want to yeah. know, adults want to know. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a it. lot of this, I feel like a lot of this comes down to like judgment. I feel like there's a lot mm -hmm. of judgment happening from legislators judging about who blaming folks for getting in situations, you know, right. judging folks for, oh, right. so you had this child, but we're going to judge you and not give you resources like SNAP benefits or... Until it happens to them, yeah. right? Because mm -hmm. like, you know, it's, and this is sort of the through line with everything that we talk about. It's, there's, there's no empathy, you know, yeah, it's no, not, no it's, there's no empathy on any of this stuff, and until it happens to you yeah. or exactly. your family, and then oh yeah, you'll pay for that abortion and hope nobody finds mm -hmm. out. Uh, and the crazy thing is, some people don't. It has happened to their family, and they <laughs> right. don't even know because their family members don't well, feel safe them. enough. It's true. Them. It's the same yeah. with like drug issues as That's well. Like I mean, like yeah. I mean, he wasn't a, a a politician, but just like Rush Limbaugh, you know, was like addicted to various substances, but would rail against. He was a you know a huge proponent of like you know the the war against drugs essentially so it's i mean which just the speaks to the republican died of party lung cancer exactly saying that the, the cigarette smoke or cigar smoke is, wow. is fine he exactly died of lung cancer. like that wasn't right. a bigger part, it's the same part hypocrisy the yeah mm -hmm. i've literally uh, heard i've i've, I've literally heard folks who's uh, encounter folks who's actually had abortion maybe once or twice still tell me they are against abortion wow that is some mind-boggling literally the words you know, were yeah I, what do you it say was, to I, I did it yeah. but i i'm still against it for x y and z reasons and oh i just God. i just did this yeah you mentioned late-term abortion and that's another thing that they are always throwing out there and i have a friend who went through that um, you know, she, that's not even uh, a medically accurate term, by the way, whatever like, it that's is. not, that's not what, what the doctor yeah, call what it. They say. It's, yeah. What right, would they right. call she, it real quick? My, my friend, this is what happened to her. She delivered the child. The child couldn't survive. They had to make a really difficult decision. It like mm -hmm. nearly broke her. She visits the grave, you know, still to this day. Mm -hmm. And that's who they're calling a murderer. She's pro-life by the way. And that's right. who they're calling a murderer is a mm -hmm. woman who went through that, you know, it's just not a thing. And like, they just find these falsehoods that they feel like they mm -hmm. can hang around us. And at the end of the day, they work because people believe them, you know? Right. Yeah. I think, I think people, people, people believe it's almost kind of like people can assess other people's lives, but they can't assess their own. And, you know, <laughs> I think the most important thing is that 
sex is just a thing that's gonna happen, right? And it's not it's not a matter of if like if and when. That's so romantic, Antoine. Like, and I'm gonna tell you something. It's funny because even when I first started working to play a parenthood, and I walk in the stock room with all the condoms, and that we literally spend like a hundred thousand dollars a year like on condoms and stuff, and it's like. And I'm like, all these, and even I was like, oh my God, it's just so much in here. And it took me a while to get to the point, like, okay, boom. Like, I would literally do a condom demonstration in the middle of church in the synagogue. Like, I would just, <laughs> it because I realized people just want to know. And it never fails, like, if when we were out able to do public events and, you know, you set up a table and, you know, sometimes people won't come by, but it never failed that it was always somebody who needed to see you. And yeah. I, and people would just come by and people say, well, how did you know all these great abortion stories? Or how did you know all these great Planned Parenthood stories? Because all of the Planned Parenthood stories are not abortion-related stories. I mean, if, if I had a dime for how Planned Parenthood was somebody, some person's only choice for health care that they can afford in college when their right. parents didn't have money. If I had a dollar for every story that I heard about how someone went to Planned Parenthood, they thought it was something, and Planned Parenthood told them it was something else, and they was able to get treatment to beat cancer before it was too big. I mean, I've heard so many stories, and, and I think mainly because of the accessibility that Planned Parenthood has offered people, it's been able to direct people to different places to get the care that they need that if we didn't provide those services. And that says a lot about, you know, the culture of this organization. And it also says a culture about a lot about the culture of US healthcare systems that um, they could not have prognosed all these people. You know, so I think that Planned Parenthood should have a definitely a lot more respect in the culture for um, US healthcare. I agree. I think, I, I mean, I, I just the, what you're talking about in the way that Planned Parenthood, um, you know, does and, and what you've been talking about, both of you have been talking about with the way that you all do community education, like going out mm -hmm. into the community and go, mm -hmm. like and going. I mean, I think that it, Planned Parenthood, because a lot of these issues are so stigmatized, you almost need it more like that education just mm -hmm. isn't there. Um, but still, at the same time, like other areas could definitely benefit from that same type of community oh, outreach. And um, and I, I just had one other question also, um, just personally, um, I, I'm sure Justin has something else to say, but I was wondering what um, <laughs> uh, what I don't know how long you both have been working for Planned Parenthood, but just what in your experience have you seen in terms of like the changes in the way either better and or worse that like from when you started working, you know, in the field um, with Planned Parenthood mm -hmm. with regard to, you know, especially abortion, because um, that's what's the most stigmatized and sex health education um, versus where it is now. Like, how has that changed in the time that you've worked in that in this field? Yeah. So I'll I mean, I'll go first because I've been I'll go, I'm the young younger of the <laughs> time I've been with Planned Parenthood for about a year now and um, one thing that I've seen um, is that Planned Parenthood is constantly striving to be more inclusive and more um, to give voice and reach out to communities that are often marginalized and underserved and actually I'm going to use this to pivot um, about this great program that Antoine is actually um, managing um, and created and got off the ground this black organizing um, program uh, where we're seeking to, you know, work directly in the communities with people who are from the communities to make sure that we're getting our message out there uh, in a way that um, resonates with that community. That's not just some, we know each community is different and the overall message might not fit what the community needs. So um, 
Antoine, can you tell us a little bit about that mm-hmm. black organizing program that you've been working on? I can. And first of all, Eris, she said she's only been here a year, but Eris has done a lot in her first year. <laughs> she came in a tough Thank time, you. so she's been amazing. Yeah, the Black Organizing Fellowship is, is well, the correct the term is uh, Black Lifestyles for Culture and Knowledge. And I saw an opportunity to really kind of engage more young professionals who are African-American or Black around the work that, you know, we do around organizing and building community and just really community engagement, um, Black businesses, sexual health care, sexual identity, and um, and obviously policy and organizing, as I mentioned. And so I, I feel like it's a, it's a really cool role, but so many people that I come across ask me, how did you get that job? And I really don't have one answer. I think the thing is everybody has sort of a different end role, but one thing you had to be was always interested in making a change. And then you have to have sort of that natural next. So a lot of people have that and didn't know what to do. So I kind of had this idea of starting something that would work with people who already had some experience in life that could pivot into this type of work and also utilize their natural skills that they have because i think that's one of the things that i found very necessary for me i came from a totally different background but the interesting thing is my grandfather was a healthcare organizer and i never wanted to go into healthcare organizing because he lived in my <laughs> clinic every day and so um but just so happened when it came it was just the perfect fit um i also moved to say like i've been with the organization for six years and one thing I can say we've learned how to do is we've learned how to work and strategically stay um, ahead of the bell curve with, in terms of like these like statewide legislation things. You know? That's what I was wondering too. Yeah, like how the, the perception of you guys like has changed for better or for worse. Oh my god! You know, I feel like it's definitely changed for better. I think we, I think okay. we're a much okay. more savvy organization in the states. I mean, in the South. Um, and, and mind you, fighting for like. Uh, reproductive rights and justice in the southern states are just difficult in all the United States. I mean, right, like yeah. even in play, even amongst the Planned Parenthood affiliate, they like praise us for coming to work every day. And we do it so much that we don't really think that it's a thing, but we just know we all burnt out and tired at some points and need a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, it's but it's definitely. The the day, I think that um, there's we a level have of very heroism across the state with with navigating through these transformative times. Um, the Trump era, I can tell you when it first happened, I think we all needed some self-care days. By the end of it, we were like, we ready. What's next? Like, we were, it was like <laughs> we kind of just like knew what to do. And I was, it, it's, it's been, it's been really cool. That's great. Well, it's, it's definitely heroic what you guys are doing, you know, on a lot of levels, but especially being in the South and, you know, we saw what happened in Knoxville. So, yes. you know, hopefully mm-hmm. you guys will stay safe. Shout out to Knoxville, uh, by the way. Shout out to Knoxville. Right. Yes. I just want to ask you to respond to two words and then we'll let you guys go. Uh, we got to go? Oh my God. <laughs> the two words are Marsha Blackburn. Back oh. What happens when I say Marsha Blackburn? Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. She brings that out in everybody. Everybody needs to not listen yeah. to Marsha Blackburn on this mm-hmm. topic. She's full of lies, yes. and uh, she's probably one of the the you know the, the biggest uh, detractors of Planned Parenthood, which well, is a I tough thing. Um, yeah, it's easy to talk about people if you don't actually. It's easy to talk about people than it is to talk to people. So yes. I feel like it's a lot about talking about people when really you should be talking to like why do you think people come to Planned Parenthood like do you right. want to know are you interested right well she Absolutely. won't do a town hall even so <laughs> well, she hasn't done a town hall since February 2017 wow, wow. Yeah. you know I, I don't honestly I really don't have words to describe 
uh, a person like her. Like, you know what's so funny? People always ask me, like, don't you get really frustrated with the protesters? I really don't have a problem with people having their own opinion. Yeah. What I have a problem with is when you when you when you when you are in power or you use your power or your privilege or whatever you have, your masculinity, whatever you feel like you have, and you use it to really hurt people that you don't even realize what you're doing Bully and the people. magnitude yeah. at which you're doing it. And mm-hmm. she sits in a very obviously um, powerful position and she's very influential with so many people who I know will not come to Memphis and talk to anybody in Memphis when I talk to anybody in, you know, who live in certain zip codes of our of our state. And you can't speak for everybody. Just like I don't believe I can speak for everybody. And I just mm-hmm. think that um, when I, so the words I use to describe Marsha Blackburn is harmful. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. And she does pretend to speak. She does claim to speak for all of Tennessee every time <laughs> she opens her mouth and she simply doesn't. But thank you guys so much for coming on here. Thanks for the work you do. Yes. Uh, Thanks for having us. Absolutely. It's it's fun. What's the website for Planned Parenthood Memphis? Um, well, we're on Instagram and Facebook, PPTNM, uh, or Instagram and Twitter at PPTNM Cares. And then uh, is it PlannedParenthood.org? You can find us there, right? (laughs) <laughs> I think it's, I think I think you can actually go to www.pptnm.org and it'll redirect you to yeah. the actual site. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I encourage everybody to go check that out because we've got some uh, advocacy days happening March 21st, yeah. 25th. Lots of events, lots of opportunities to connect with legislators um, about some of this legislation that's happening um, and to make your voice heard uh, about how you disagree with all of this terrible legislation. So. Um, Ooh, thank you thank you for the airs. I also want to say, too, go to our Get Involved section and get involved with uh, volunteering in Tennessee and Memphis. Um, we are seeing uh, sort of an increase in protesters. We would love to have folks who's interested in uh, being patient greeters and making sure that our patients feel welcome and, and happy and safe in their own skin walking from the parking lot to the door. I mean, it, I, while it sounds like a very simple task, I mean, it could be really tough. I know I, I'm not able to be a patient reader because I break the rules because it's so hard <laughs> to not want to. But there are people out there who is wired away in a way that they can, you know, ignore the noise, get patients to the door, and patients really appreciate it. So yeah. um, if you're interested in doing that, go get involved on the website. All right. Well, thank mm-hmm. you guys both. And just to show what you're up against, you know, in Tennessee, we have hoarded by far the most TANF dollars for low-income families. Mm. That's us at the top left. Over $730 million intended for needy families, hoarded by Tennessee, by far the most in the state. So that, people need to start that should be a caring. lawsuit. Absolutely. Mm. Thank you, guys. We will talk to you soon and stay in touch for sure, all right? Thank you so much. Thank Thanks for so what you're doing. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Take care to both of you. Thank you.